0: Welcome to the Indianola First podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, you guys, uh, if you're new to Indianola First, maybe, uh, you know, maybe it's your first time here, um, man, you picked a great Sunday to be here. Baptism Sunday is a blast, and we're going to have a lot of fun today because... Jesus and the life-changing power of God are going to be on display for everybody to see in an undeniable way today. So you picked a good one to, uh, to attend this morning. So um, it really, even on a, a day like this, it's even kind of hard to preach because it's like there almost doesn't need to be any preaching because the life change speaks for itself. And the testimonies and the stories that you're going to hear in a few minutes here, uh, they're going to speak for themselves and God is going to be front center. It's going to be really, really exciting and it's a good one but before we do get to that um, you know it's just a good opportunity to take advantage of this time and talk about baptism because it's something that we really don't talk that much about and something that we often don't preach about you know unless we're having a baptism service like this so it's always a good reminder and you know there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of misunderstandings when it comes to baptism uh, in our own community and around the world. And so it's a good opportunity to clarify some of those misconceptions and those misinterpretations of scripture and an opportunity for us to talk about why we baptize and who we baptize. And, you know, just to, to remind, remind us, um, what is important about baptism and why we do it. You know, baptism is one of these things that Jesus gave us, gave the church called an ordinance of the church. Uh, Jesus gave us two ordinances to follow while he was on this earth. One of those was communion, uh, the Lord's Last Supper. Uh, That was an ordinance that Jesus gave us. And the second one is what we're celebrating today, what we're practicing today, and that is baptism. That's one of the things that Jesus gave us as an ordinance or a practice of the church. In other words, that something Jesus gave the disciples that was meant to continue on after him. And we we were meant to continually do these things as disciples. That's what an ordinance is. And so uh, baptism is one of those. But like I said, there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of misinterpretation when it comes to scripture and understanding of baptism. A lot of man-made traditions surrounding baptism that have unfortunately been handed down throughout the years. And I'd like to try to clarify with you this morning a little bit about what baptism, scriptural baptism looks like what it is, why we do it, who should be baptized, and just really kind of get the basics of baptism this morning. So I just want to jump into it today by just kind of asking a couple of questions. And I guess the first one is this. What is baptism? What is baptism? Well, the Greek word translated baptize because the New Testament was written in Greek, and the New Testament is where we start to see this word baptize appear in the Bible. The Greek word uh, is baptizo, baptizo. And it literally means to dunk or immerse. That's what it means. Literally means to immerse. And so what is baptism? Baptism is immersion. Immersion in what? Well, Scripture makes it clear that baptism is immersion in water. Okay. And how do we, how do we know that? Well, we know that for a few different reasons. Um, number <laughs> number one, um, and, and we follow that because we immerse people. You're going to see here in a couple of minutes that um, we're going to take people into this tank up here, which, you know, you might have thought, well, hey, that's a nice, little nice hot tub that the pastors get to hang out in and kick it once in a while. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, it's not. Um, although <laughs> um, that tank is deep enough so that we can immerse people into water because Uh, that is the scriptural way that we see it done in the scriptural pattern of baptism. It's not sprinkling, it's not uh, pouring water over the head. How do we know that? Well, if we look at the New Testament pattern of baptism, Jesus, when he was baptized, it says that Jesus came out of the water. Now, if Jesus was going to get sprinkled with water, if he was going to get water poured over his head, he wouldn't have had to go into the waters to come out of them. And so we know by context clues that he was going to be immersed. There's another uh, story in the New Testament where a man by the name of Philip, who was a disciple, was witnessing to a man uh, from Ethiopia. They were riding in his chariot, and um, they were in a very arid part of the world, okay, semi-arid, like a desert, it's like desert-ish where they were, and uh, they're riding along, and there's really no chance, because of the distance that these people had to travel, they would have always had water with them, Right? I don't know how many of you women or your husbands and wives have noticed this lately, but I I don't know, maybe not, maybe it's just me, but when I'm gonna pick on my wife for a second, but when she travels, man, she has like five different water bottles with her. Three different yeah, three, yeah, three. Okay, different water bottles. And you know, you got like your Stanley. Well, we don't we don't have Stanley, we have we have the knockoff, because my lady's frugal. I appreciate that. (laughs) She's got the knockoff Walmart one, and then she's got like a a plastic water bottle, and then some weird one she got, some kind of elixir of life or something that she carries around. But there's just a buffet of water and drinks wherever my wife goes, which is amazing. So these guys would have been similar, right? They would have had some, they would have had hydration because there's no gas stations to stop at, nothing like that. Um, So they're traveling along in this chariot, they've got water with them, but when they come to a body of water of some sort, doesn't, the Bible doesn't say what, the Ethiopian says, oh, look, here's some water. Why should I not be baptized? So Philip had been opening the scriptures up to him. This man is believing Jesus in his heart. He's come to salvation. He says, oh, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Well, Why is that significant? Because he had water. They could have poured it over his head. They could have sprinkled him. But they didn't, he, didn't want to, he didn't think it was appropriate to get baptized until he found a, a body of water to get baptized so he could get immersed. Again, we look at the context clue. So why do we immerse? Well, number one, like I said, the word literally means to immerse. Number two, that's the New Testament pattern for baptism, is to immerse. And uh, number three, baptism is actually a symbolic gesture. Gesture. If we read in Romans chapter six verse four, it says this: Paul says, "We were therefore buried with him. Who's him? It's Jesus. Through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life." So Paul. Tells us what the significance of the symbolism on baptism is. The significance is we are immersed or we are buried in the water, okay? Instead of being buried in a grave, like, you know, like someone who is dead or buried in a tomb, we're buried in the water symbolically, dying to our old self, um, and also becoming like Christ in that we're taking on that idea of his death into our lives. And then if you go on to to, uh, six, Romans 6, verse 5, it talks about being resurrected, okay, and and joining with him in his resurrection symbolically, but also being resurrected to a new life, and so um, if you think about being buried or being, you think about about death and you think about being buried, okay, that's what it talks about in that verse, it's, you know, when you've got a corpse, if you're going to bury a corpse, you don't just throw some dirt at them, right, or just pour some dirt over their head and just say, oh, we're good, right, you bury them in the ground, right, you bury them. So that's what that, so the symbolism is there. So why do we immerse? Well, three great reasons right there. Number one, that's what the word means. Number two, that's the New Testament pattern. And number three, the symbolism uh, of death and burial leads us to the fact that immersion is the only way to baptize. And so that's why we immerse. That's, that's part of what baptism is, it's immersion. Well, what else is salvation? In fact, let me tell you actually what salvation is not. And this is very important because there's a lot of issues that stem from this statement right here. Baptism is not salvation. The Bible makes it crystal clear that salvation comes through one thing, and that's faith in Jesus Christ alone and his finished work on the cross. Our repentance and belief equal salvation, nothing else. Let me give you a couple of verses. Ephesians 2, uh, 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that anyone should be able to boast. It's by grace that you have been saved through faith. In fact, it goes on to say it is not by works. In other words, it is not by anything that we can do. So if we could baptize ourselves and be saved, then that's a work, right? We could just do that on our own. We wouldn't even need Jesus. We could just go get ourselves baptized and we're good to go. No, that's not what it's about. I could give you a laundry list of verses that say the exact same thing, that salvation is through Christ Alone. Back in the, what is it, the 1300s and the Reformation, this is what Martin Luther, this is why he split from the church, because he, that's what the Reformation is all about. It's, he started understanding that as he read the word, that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and it's, it's a work of grace done by him, and nothing that we can do on our own. So, if you look at those verses, let me give you one more verse, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved, okay? So does it say, if you get baptized, you will be saved? No, it gives you two conditions, right? It tells you to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Those are the conditions. But the unfortunate thing and what has happened is people take verses, there's two, there's two verses specifically in the book of Acts that if you look at them um, without the contextual lens of the entire word of God, and, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm getting a little theological on you, but baptism is theological, if you, start, if you try to study the Word by taking a piece of the Word and not taking it in the context of the entire Bible, you're going to get some, you're going to get some whacked out beliefs. And if you do this with these two verses in Acts because they talk about baptism and salvation and the way that they talk about them so closely related, it looks like they're one and the same, but they're not. Because if you take the entire counsel of the Word of God, the entire Scripture, and you look at systematically what is salvation, you'll understand that baptism is not it. And so you you interpret that correctly when you look at it through the lens of the entire Scripture. Okay, Two verses up against 30, 40, 50, 60 verses that talk about salvation. So salvation is not... Baptism. baptism is something that happens after salvation. So, baptism is immersion. Baptism is not salvation. What, is, what else is baptism? Well, the, baptism is also a public statement of our decision to follow Jesus. This is kind of a fun one because back in those days, if you think about the fact that they had to get immersed, they had to go to a water source that was deep enough so that they could immerse someone to, to baptize them, they would have gone to a lake or a stream or a pond you know, they they had wells and things where they would get water, but the community would come down to the water source to do laundry, uh, maybe to bathe, you know, that would be sometimes to get drinking water, things like that, so you always had a community around the water source, and so when someone goes to get baptized, it's an expression not just to their friends and family, it's an expression to the whole community, hey, I've made this choice, and I've decided to follow Jesus. Now, We've lost that maybe a little bit because we have these really nice baptismal tanks and we have this thing called indoor plumbing now. And so we don't need to go to water sources. We have, it's more convenient for us. And so in some ways I feel like we maybe lost a little bit of, of that. But we um, encourage our baptism candidates when we talk to them before baptism to uh, make their testimony known. You know? and, and the ones who are able to and the ones who are old enough, we say, you know, like, like social media is kind of the watering hole today. Um, it's kind of the community gathering spot. Um, so share your story. You know, share this service online. Share your test, your video testimony for those that did a video testimony. Share that online. Let people know about your decision. Make it a public statement of your faith. That's that's what baptism is. So we know what baptism is, but why should we get baptized? Well, let's talk about that for a couple minutes. Number one, it was commanded by Jesus. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, the very last command. Jesus gives his disciples before he leaves this world. He says, therefore, go and make disciples, talking to his disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told his disciples, go and witness to people, make disciples, and once they're saved, then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus commanded every one of us to be baptized. That should be a good enough reason right there, right? Jesus commanded it, so we need to do it. Secondly, baptism was the biblical pattern of the New Testament church. We see over and over and over again, I shared one instance with you about about Philip and the Ethiopian, but there's this pattern in the New Testament church in the book of Acts specifically because it talks about the beginnings of the church as we know it, where people would get saved and they get baptized. They get saved, they get baptized. Sometimes almost immediately, like Paul Paul got saved and baptized, the Ethiopian saved and baptized. It's a biblical pattern that we see in the New Testament. So, if you're in this place and you follow Jesus but you have not been baptized yet, the next time that we have baptism service, I better see your name up on there. You better be going online and signing yourself up for baptism because you need to be saved. It's really not optional. When Jesus commands something, it's not Jesus' opinion or Jesus' thought that maybe you should try to do it, it's Jesus' command that you be baptized for all the reasons we already talked about. So, talk about what baptism is, why should we get baptized. That the last question we're going to answer is who? Who should get baptized? Well, the short answer to that is anyone who has made a commitment to follow Jesus qualifies for baptism. Again, it was a pattern in the New Testament church. The Great Commission was Jesus telling his disciples to make more disciples and baptize them. So, that was, so we know that the qualification there is that you have to be a disciple, okay, a follower of Jesus, someone who said yes to Jesus. That's someone who's qualified for baptism. Uh, But secondly, baptism is is open to all disciples. It's not relegated to a few chosen ones. You know, and this is what's interesting in Acts is, as I was doing research for this, like, the people that just, they would, a lot of times, immediately they would get baptized after their salvation. And um, they didn't wait. You know, that's what spoke to me. Like, they didn't wait to be like, you know, did this really take with this person? Like, did they just make an emotional decision in the heat of the, maybe we should wait this out and see, like, is this going to be for real? Then we'll get them baptized, you know? Because, like, if they make this public statement and then they decide to just walk away from Jesus, then that's going to look bad for us. No, they would immediately get baptized. And what that said to me is that, again, as we know, like, you don't need to clean up to come to the Lord. You come to Jesus as you are. You get baptized as you are. He accepts you the moment you repent and decide to follow him. That's, That's when he says, hey, you're mine. And then he works on cleaning you. And I saw it one time on a church sign, I thought it was great. It said, um, you know, God doesn't expect us to clean the fish before we catch it. And I was like, oh, that's good, that's good. But I, I think that really spoke to me. It spoke to me as I was looking over this and contemplating baptism and reading about baptism and, and what it looked like and what it was. But you don't have to have your life together to be baptized. So if you're out there, maybe you said yes to Jesus and you're waiting for yourself to be holy enough be baptized, let me guarantee you that part that's probably never going to come. Um, but you are qualified if you said yes to Jesus. You don't have to wait. Um, so, I talked about who is qualified for baptism. Um, and let me address this one, because it's such a big one. Who should not get baptized? Who should not get baptized? Well, number one, obviously, anyone who's not a follower of Jesus. Um, but secondly, anyone who's not able or has made that decision for themselves. That includes infants. Um, There is no Scripture anywhere in the Bible that says that infants should be baptized. There is no pattern. There is no allusion to. There is no reference to. It cannot be inferred from anything. There is no reason that an infant should be baptized according to the Word of God. It's nowhere in Scripture. And this is where that understanding of baptism as a symbol and not salvation is so vitally important. Because if you think of baptism, if you interpret Scripture as, as baptism equals salvation, well, then that makes perfect sense, right? That makes perfect sense. Well, as soon as that baby comes into the world, well, let's, let's, let's get them saved. Let's get them redeemed I mean, before they can change their mind quick, you know? I know when I was born, um, my mom has relayed this to me. When I was born, I had some kind of issue with, I can't remember if it was my heart or my lungs, and I was born in a Catholic hospital, and they didn't think I was going to make it, and so they called the priest down, and they baptized me as an infant because they wanted me to get to heaven, you know? So if you believe that baptism is salvation, it makes logical sense. However, that is completely unbiblical. It doesn't make any kind of sense whatsoever. Disciples are the ones who are meant to be baptized. Make disciples and then baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. A disciple is one who follows someone. So disciples of Jesus are followers of Jesus. And in order to follow, you need to make a decision to follow, You don't just follow for no reason. It's, it's a conscious choice. And so anyone who can follow Jesus can make that choice for themselves. They're the ones who are qualified for baptism. Obviously, infants cannot make that choice, right? Anybody know of any infants that make any choices in their lives? Okay. No, obviously not. You've got to be able to make that choice for yourself. That's what makes a disciple. Now, what we've, also, we've often been asked as pastors, well, what age is appropriate for a child to be baptized? And really, there's no clear-cut answer. There's no, like, you know, the Bible doesn't say, at six years old, you're, you're qualified for baptism or you can get baptized. It all, come back, it all comes back to can that child make the, has that child made the decision to follow Jesus for themselves? Can they make the decision to be baptized? Do they know what they're doing? That's kind of what it comes down to. And it's for some children, that's pretty young. Um, my, the, the redhead that was standing up here today, my oldest son, when he was Malachi, okay, you can see Pastor Barry afterwards for your 50 bucks. You're welcome. All right, 20 bucks, sorry, geez. I took it up. I should, I should say my other kids are uh, Ellie and Isaiah. and see Pastor Barry. I just keep saying their name and I'll have their birthdays covered here, Pastor Barry. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but when Malachi was five, um, he had made the choice to follow Jesus. And I think when he was six, I could be wrong on my timing, but he wanted to get baptized. And I thought, well, he just, he's seeing people get dunked. He thinks it looks fun. And I sat down, and I, I quizzed him for like 15, 20 minutes on what baptism was, and what salva- I knew he knew what salvation was, but I talked to him about baptism, and he was ready to go. He knew exactly what he was doing, and so I said, okay. Uh, generally, I don't recommend kids that young, because usually, they, you know, and I'm not saying that Malachi's like the chosen one or anything like that, but <laughs> like he, I'm just using him as an example of someone young who really understood what they were doing, and sometimes... Young people, they just sometimes they understand it. That comes, some kids, that's nine years old. Some kids that's six. Some kids that's there's no magic age, is what I'm trying to say. They just have to be able to make that decision for themselves. And when they do, it's an amazing day. So, guys, I just wanted to take some opportunities this morning to just clear up some of those misunderstandings of scripture and talk to you about why we baptize the way we do and what that means, and uh, really illuminate it from scripture. But here's the incredible thing: back in the Old Testament, God gave. Uh, ways for the, for the Jewish nation to stand out from other people. He gave them ways to mark their, themselves so that they would stand apart from other nations. And when he brought the new covenant, that's, that's when Jesus came. He brought the new covenant. When Jesus came, he gave us a mark as well, a symbol that people would know that we're his. And baptism is that symbol that we get to participate in. And, and in the Old Testament, it was just men that got to participate in the mark. But today, everybody, man, woman, child, As long as they understand they're disciples of Jesus, they get to have this mark on their life that, that sets them apart and says, yes, I belong to Jesus, and I want to let the world know that I belong to Jesus. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.